When you were growing up, what was your favourite toy? A teddy bear? A doll? An action figure maybe? Whatever it was, the chances are it was probably made of plastic and didn't feature any artificial intelligence. Well, that's changing. On this week's Radio Davos, smart toys. Think of a train set that teaches children how to code or robotic companions that can speak to children and help them learn and develop. These toys are not just toys. They're smart and they will get smarter. They have machine learning and the learning will get more intelligent. They have suggestive algorithms and we should be very mindful on what toys we want our kids to be around. The musician Will I Am will also hear from a developmental scientist who studies children and adolescents. He tells us why responsibly built smart toys can help children growing up in today's world. Increasingly, technology is interwoven in how children are learning, playing and interacting with the world. And if we're not paying attention to digital technology and its role in how children are learning, we are not understanding the social context in which this is happening. Radio Davos is the podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at the biggest challenges and how we might try to solve them. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, take a moment to like and review us, and join the conversation on the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. I'm Robin Pomeroy, podcast editor at the World Economic Forum, and with a look at smart toys... In the future, who's raising who? This is Radio Davos. When I was a young child in the 1970s, the smartest toy in the playground was probably the doll baby that could cry and wet its nappy. Then, as computer technology made its own baby steps into toys, I remember Big Track, a ludicrously overpriced truck that you could program to go left, right or straight ahead. It was the reserve of a few spoilt kids and overzealous primary school science departments. These days, millions of children are coming into contact with much smarter toys. And later in the show, the head of the Institute of Human Development at the University of California, Berkeley, will explain the effect they're having on young people. Before that, a mention of the Smart Toy Awards, hosted by the World Economic Forum's Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution, to recognize some of the best. You can see a list of the seven prize winners in the article that accompanies this episode. They were chosen by a panel of judges that included musician and tech entrepreneur Will I Am, and this is what he had to say about smart toys. Toys are intelligent now, but intelligent not from like the 1990s or 2000s intelligence. Like truly intelligent, cognitive almost, (laughs) and we should be very mindful on what toys we want our kids to be around. And who's raising who? My Mr. T action figure didn't raise me. My G.I. Joe didn't raise me. These toys, like there was those TV kids and, 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 you, and there was sentences around, is TV raising your child? Are you, are you putting your child in front of a television to, to buy time and, and the advertisement and the content itself is really like conditioning your child? That was that. Was that era from the the 70s 80s 90s 2000s and then it was video games is a video game conditioning and raising your child but that was to a limit because the video game didn't talk back to you the video game didn't really understand you better than your parents facial expressions the emotional intelligence knowing what makes you cry or makes you frustrated or get you excited these toys will have all these capabilities. So in theory, in the future, who's raising who? So a a parents need to really keep that in mind and and governance. We need to have 
you know, regulations and governance around these toys to protect not only the kids that are using the toys, but the relationship between the kid and the parent. Will I am one of the judges of the Smart Toy Awards. My colleague Alex Court found out more about the ways AI-powered toys can help children learn and develop when he spoke to another one of the judges, paediatrician and developmental scientist Rondell. As a professor uh, at a university and, and uh, being involved in research institutes, the purpose of the work isn't just to understand the science or how the brain develops, uh, but really to understand how the science can inform real-world issues. To understand that learning in the broadest sense of learning, social learning, emotional learning, motivational learning, not just cognitive learning, is so fundamental to the well-being of young people, how they develop. Increasingly, technology is interwoven in how children are learning, playing, and interacting with the world. And if we're not paying attention to digital technology and its role in how children are learning, we are not understanding the social context in which this is happening. And it's not just in wealthy countries, it's happening all over the world, that increasingly um, the use of phones and information and and digital access to to new sources of information and ways to interact and communicate and, and create social networks is being woven into the social fabric in which young people are growing up. And that raises all kinds of concerns and worries, and as, as technology always does, of the, the, the negative effects. But increasingly, we're recognizing it has positive effects. So there's definitely risks uh, and definitely positive elements when it comes to, to smart toys and enabled toys, as you said. But maybe before we get too much ahead of ourselves, could you just break down what is it that you would say is a smart toy? How could, how could I distinguish a smart toy from a, a non-smart toy, for example? In the narrow sense, what we mean by smart toys are these technology-enabled capacities to adjust the experience of the play player or players to have a different experience based on what they respond to, what they engage with, how they react, where they get frustrated. That ability to adjust or adapt across settings is, is intelligence. It's smart. Um, and there are a number of ways that can happen. And for most of human history, it was adults that did that. They, they helped to adjust and create the right set of challenges and risks for young people uh, to explore the world and learn new things in a relatively safe way and go faster if they can move faster in their learning and slow down if they need a little more time. Now we have technologies that can do this in remarkable ways. So these are toys which actually they, they, they see children in a different way or they, they learn from the children. That is uh, going to definitely bring up some worries for parents. Can you maybe talk about some of the examples that you just recently saw in the in the Smart Toy Awards? What are some of the toys which are smart like this? What are they like? What, what can children do with them? One of the winners, the Intolino Train, was in many ways a pretty conventional toy. It's a, it's a train that can run on a variety of tracks and looks like a conventional toy. On the other hand, the way to get the best experience out of that train is actually to learn a process that is informing individuals about how to code. So it has these small pieces that in order to get the train to do more interesting things or to change its speed or change direction, uh, you, you, you inherently start learning about the coding process of sequencing steps. But they're not by writing code, it's by putting in these little chips. And so it's a, it's a wonderful bridge from a conventional play, creative play environment to the understanding 
the coding and algorithmic process itself. And so it is not inherently adapting in a smart way, but it is promoting learning about that world in a safe, controllable way. And often in an environment where obviously adults and other kids can be interacting with each other, this is also relevant at another level that sometimes doesn't get enough attention when we talk about children and adolescents. And that is, they're not a homogeneous group. I mean, it's so obvious that a three-year-old is different than a seven-year-old that's different than a 12-year-old that's different from an 18-year-old. And, and also that many different five-year-olds are at very different levels depending on their experiences. And yet we, we think about a toy that's going out into the world as if it's you know, appropriate across these different contexts. Part of the potential for some of these smart toys is this ability to adapt to where individuals are. When you're talking about a train that can help a child learn about coding, I mean, surely that's the stuff of dreams for parents. Like every parent now wants their kid to learn you know, computer skills and scientific skills. I mean, this is, isn't this a fantastic opportunity for children to learn in leaps and bounds and start earlier on in their lives to learn these critical skills? Yes, wonderful point. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the ability to, to scaffold learning in this way is one of the most inspiring aspects of what, what is becoming um, possible. Not just possible, but it's, there are many examples. When children and adolescents of different ages are engaging in a new activity or a potentially risky activity, it protects them. There's some degree of protection that they're not going to go off the rails. But then as they develop more skills and more autonomy, scaffolding is taken away. And it's not literally scaffolding. Uh, it's it's actually what good parents, teachers, and coaches just you know intuitively do. They know when to step in and give a little more support and monitoring when a child or adolescent needs that in a certain situation. And as they show that they, they, they're capable to move away. And this is a sweet spot because children and adolescents want autonomy. They want to do it on their own. The more they can do on their own without adults interfering and monitoring, that makes it more exciting. The flip side of this autonomy is that kids don't need other human beings. They can just have these incredible learning experiences, master things, get admiration, be successful, but do it in a way that's disconnected from in real world social interactions. What technology, especially the kinds of technology we're talking about, it amplifies both the opportunities, but also the vulnerabilities. And what we most admire about this set of capacities, that learning to code, as you're describing, a fun activity could allow a child by themselves to learn how to do coding, but it also has the risk of having children not need much adult supervision of any sort or other social interaction. I think it was Will I Am. he highlighted how in the past there have been a lot of concerns around how much time children are spending in front of the television or how long, how much time children get with video games, for example. It feels like we've had some of these discussions with past technologies. How is it that smart toys in particular have a different set of challenges around autonomy and children being able to learn by themselves without too much interference or support from parents and other, other adults around them? The central issue across all of these is it's not whether books or television or video games are bad. It is how are they being used? 
And just as we know that being read to and having social interactions around books, as well as giving young people the freedom to go off and read by themselves, there's a balance point there. Um, too much of using any of these uh, technologies, if we'll call them that, um, have certain risks associated with them and their individual differences. Um, what we know about video games is kids who may be more prone to have trouble with aggression and violence who get a lot of exposure to violent video games probably are harmed in significant ways that that can amplify these vulnerabilities. So we don't want to just say poo-poo these concerns, but it gets back to how do we have a, a larger perspective on what's an appropriate uh, a balancing of these. Now, bring in what's new about uh, things like AI and smart toys is again, it's the power of these new technologies to have a capacity to engage. The, the video game world has been masterful at engaging young people, many of whom would not engage with other learning environments. And part of the sweet spot that they would easily strike is what we were talking about earlier. The middle point between something being sufficiently challenging, but not frustrating. And the video games can adjust. If someone's doing too well, they can make things more challenging. If someone's getting frustrated, they can back off. That, that is a version of what we're talking about with the adaptability of AI. That adjustability for an individual player. So this capacity to tap into what I'll call natural motivations, the things we just want to do. Part of what's so remarkable about uh, play is it inherently is fun. That's why we call it play. I mean, it's, it is engaged fun learning. Uh, and, and most of what we understand about learning at the brain level is this uh, interaction between unexpected events and discovery. That's part of the burst of dopamine and the excitement and arousal that happens when you're learning is something happens that surprises you that's unexpected. Uh, it's not fun or a game if it doesn't have some element of that. But you also need to have some rules and structure and predictability or else it's just chaos. And the balance of those for a particular individual and where they are in their learning curve and then creating a narrative and an identity, these are things that the video game uh, industry, which is huge, um, has mastered in ways that engage kids. And they will put in hundreds of hours <laughs> doing these things uh, or even pay to do them uh, because they are so engaging. AI-empowered technology has the capacity to take those same qualities of engagement and individual adjustment and tapping into individual and in seductive natural motivation ways that could, if the incentives are not sufficiently centered on well-being of children and their families and their communities and just profit, very, very powerful and worrisome. I just want to pick up on what you said about um, play and play being a, a fun way to learn. I mean, talk me through that. When children are playing, what are they learning? And how can AI-enabled toys, along with the parents, help foster that sense of fun and adventure, which ultimately leads to learning? The first part of this, what makes something play or fun, is nice to contrast with what is work. What's the difference between play and work? It's slightly reductionistic, but if you really dig deeply scientifically into the difference, it comes down to that the rewards are unexpected. It's like the difference between a payment and a gift. A gift is unexpected. A small gift can be really emotional. It surprised you, it's, it was unexpected. You could get a huge bonus that you know you got for a certain production 
it's good. Or, or your payment, it's predicted. It's great to get a reward, but it's not as exciting as a gift because discovery, an unexpected event, is part of the burst, the arousal. And so part of play is around discovery. And that's easy for children because the world is new. There's so much new. There's so much of learning about how things go together, how they work, what you can do to affect things. There's, there's an incredible rate of discovery. As we get older, there's still lots of the world to discover, but we deal with predictability and the rewards that are predictable aren't the same. And so that's one dimension. So how do you balance enough of this surprise and discovery and exploration? But then the second part we mentioned is the mastery, where you put effort in. And But the effort isn't because you're making yourself do something you don't want to do. It's you start feeling a desire to do more of it. Mastering something that's difficult can be intrinsically motivated, something we like to do. And there is the sweet spot. How do we create experiences? And we've all seen this. You can't make a child or an adolescent. If you try to make them do something or bribe them to do something, they'll may do it in the short run, but it's not going to enhance their liking of it. And then you see a kid fall in love with soccer or chess or learning math or coding, and you can't keep them from it. They just want to practice and do it. So then the third part of this is literally practice. What we know is that in terms of brain systems and learning, that it's the repeated experience. But if that's just re repetition, then it becomes a habit and there's not much learning or excitement that goes on. But if you're repeating it, but it's staying on this mastery curve challenge, then you have this feeling of mastery, which is so intrinsically rewarding. So some combination of this newness, discovery, uncertainty makes it play. And then there's some degree of this sort of mastery and challenge. How do you see smart toys actually changing childhood? How will children uh, live in a different way? Yes, you mentioned they are natural learners, they are excitable, they get really into certain projects. How will smart toys actually change what it's like to be a child? I think in some ways, aspects of childhood are not going to change. And yet this capacity to take aspects of learning that have always been part of, of human experience and, and stretch them in new ways, I think is part of what, what could be remarkable over this period of time. And that is a capacity to increase the individual differences, the ways in which different children and adolescents engage and what inspires them and, and motivates them effectively could be enhanced by the right combination of these new approaches with AI and technology and the right social structures to promote and enhance the social, the real world social learning that is going hand in glove with that in complementary ways. Some of this evaluation is going to require time longitudinal studies. Because one of the things we've learned, even if some of the fears of technologies that were overly hyped in the past um, were out of proportion and we shouldn't overreact just to the fear of something new, we also have learned that sometimes it takes a while to figure out where the real vulnerabilities are and where the best opportunities are. So it's just as important to evaluate the bold, innovative advances 
And that requires some patience. Let's talk about those unintended consequences. What is it that scares you about smart toys? One aspect of this concern is that an algorithm that captures some valuable aspect of the child's behavior, their, their attention. Let, let's just take a simple example and then we can, we can extrapolate. So imagine you are uh, designing a toy or technology experience. You're trying to evaluate to what degree it holds a child's attention. Well, there are ways that you could hold a child's attention that aren't actually promoting learning or development at all. They're just capturing attention and, and it looks like it's working. But what we know is that that's short-sighted. Um, using flashing, novel, uh, ch constantly changing uh, visual stimuli or noise in a certain way, maybe can do this bottom-up capture of kids' attention, but that's not learning. Uh, how, you know, and, and similarly, there could be ways that promote mastery experience, but at the expense of social interactions that that may tip the balance for some people who can get everything they want and to learn at that point in their lives without much social interaction or real life, looking people in the face and reading facial expressions and reading emotions, the kinds of learning we think is a powerful part of, of, of growth and development. So I think that the capacity to be thinking too narrowly about what is progress in learning or influencing behavior or capturing attention um, of a toy without thinking in a broader sense what is healthy learning and development. And what about parents? What does this all mean for them? Are they going to have a very different role because of smart toys? Obviously there are those situations where parents are overwhelmed and they, you know, they, they would, there's an ease with which uh, child engaging technology can uh, offload uh, 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 adults you know, monitoring. Uh, and yet what we know is that even though children and adolescents want autonomy and freedom, they still really value parents being engaged, caring about what they're doing and monitoring what they're doing, even if they're pushing back at times. So what are the ways technology can invite that natural balance of parents staying involved, not just turning it all over to kids, um, and I think these are really key issues. Ron Dahl, Director of the Institute of Human Development at the University of California, Berkeley, speaking to my colleague, Alex Court. You can find out more about the Smart Toy Awards and see which toys won by visiting www.smarttoyawards.org and also see the article that accompanies this podcast. Subscribe to Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a rating and a review and join the conversation at the World Economic Forum Podcast Club. Look for that on Facebook. This episode of Radio Davos was presented by me, Robin Pomeroy, with thanks to Alex Court. Studio production was by Gareth Nolan. We'll be back soon, but for now, thanks to you for listening and goodbye.